Blog Talk Radio. Kingway Fox Beer Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. He's a bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fock is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. With that song, it's time for another episode of Trek Talk, and it's Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm Uncle Jimmy, most excellent host, and it's time for some Trek Talking. First of all, I'd like to introduce my truck experts. We'll start off with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, I am doing great, Jim. I normally do broadcast live from the great Northwest, but today it is uh, holidays, so I'm traveling. So I am broadcasting from just east of Minneapolis, Minnesota, where it is way colder than it was in Portland. <laughs> I believe it. I believe like, it. Like way colder. Like I think it got up to 30 today. <laughs> Wow. It's it's pretty cold up here in Vermont, too. I'll tell you what. I got my little electric heater on. I got my long johns, my wool socks. It's bitter cold, like like wind chill below zero cold, cold, cold. But I bet you, I bet you Charles, who's out in Vegas, is a little bit warmer than us. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good, but a little warmer, but not much. Not we much. Hit mid, we hit mid fifties today. That was pretty good. With rain, rain. That's a cold. heat wave. I'd be out in the pool yeah. if it was that warm. That's, that's swimming weather. <laughs> not, compared to seven, not compared to seventies. Some places are hitting. Midwest. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and we also have joining with us tonight for our special holiday show. Our checking in with Chekhov, we have a special Trek skit to play for you guys tonight. Just exactly does how Pavel Chekhov celebrate Christmas on the Enterprise. We're going to find out. But joining us tonight, we have the one, the only, Andy Bray. How you doing tonight, Andy? Merry Christmas. Um, it's <laughs> freezing out here. It's, it's, it's <laughs> L.A. iceberg out here. It's 50 degrees, which in Ooh. L.A., that's, that's like oh. Arctic. And wet. Antarctic. <laughs> that's that's swimming weather, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, when it gets to fifty degrees, all the movie stars go back inside and they hibernate for the winter. <laughs> so true. Oh boy. Love so it. listen guys, we have got a great show planned for you guys tonight. We're gonna to be discussing the discovery episode, the examples, uh, who created the DMA. Did Burnham make the right choice at the penal colony? Zora has emotions. There's a USS Janeway, and Jet Reno is back. All that and so much more in our second half. And as I already said, we're going to be joined by Andy Bray, and we're going to have a checking in with Chekhov holiday edition. We also have convention calendar, Star Trek birthdays, 
and fan shout out. So we're going to have a lot of fun. You guys want to get our phone number and your speed dial 646-668-2433. As I said, we will be live for the next two hours. So give us a call and share your opinions. Say hello to Andy or wish us a very Merry Christmas. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we're, we're hovering at just around 78,415 followers on our Facebook page, which is awesome. Thank you so much. And almost, almost, we have 64,599 downloads of this podcast. So, wow. Thank you so much to each and every one of you guys out there. We really appreciate it. And uh, every week we go to our Facebook page and pick 15 lucky listeners like you. And we give you a personal fan shout out on the podcast. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means you want to tune in because your name is going to be mentioned in a fan shout out. So, Eric, who do we have on our fan shout outs for this week? Well, our very first fan shout out this week goes out to top fan Mikkel Sigurdkrantz. All the way from Helsinki, Finland. That's pretty cool. Mikhail, thank you so much for listening to us uh, way up there in Scandinavia. I love it. Um, and you're one of our top fans, which means that you interact with us a bunch on our Facebook page, and we super appreciate people like you. So thank you so much, Mikhail. We're also saying hello and giving a big thank you to Angel Cervantos Chimez from Zaragoza, Spain. I had never heard of Zaragoza, but it turns out it's a decent-sized town in that northeast corner of Spain. So thank you, Angel, for listening to us all the way from Spain. I love it. Uh, we're also saying hello this week to Ragnar Ragnarsson from Troms, Norway, another Scandinavian. Ragnar, thank you for listening to us. And a big shout-out goes to Christian Hartmann Carlucci in Hamburg, Germany. Hamburg, uh, home of the Hamburger? No, 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 no. You are <laughs> a Hamburger if you live there. <laughs> Christian, thank you so much for listening to us. And finally on my list, we have Jonathan Ray from right here in the U.S. and Jonesboro, Arkansas. Thank you, Jonathan, for listening to us and uh, loving our podcast. Charles, who's on your list? Well, I'm going to start off with top fan Doug LaCourse from Maine, USA. Chris Morris from Moore, Australia, one of our Down Under fans. I don't know, Andy might know this one. Linda Wilcox from Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles is a small city. David John (laughs) Wilde from Landshire, England. And Robert Hanman from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And Jim, I'm sure found somebody from New York. I always do. It is our number one city, you know. Uh, we'd like to say uh, thank you and Kaplata, Natalie Pfeiffer Kennedy, who listens to us in Long Island, New York, USA. Now, is it Long Island or Long Island? It all depends. If you go down there and you say Long Island, they get they they sometimes get upset with you. So it's actually Long they Island. They give you a tease. Yeah, they, it's Long Island, New York. Thank you for listening, Natalie, in Long Island, New York. We'd also like to say thank you to David Fernandez from Mesa, Arizona, USA, Lindsay Durward from North Cumberland, UK, Lynn Wilson from Over Park, Kansas City, and Patricia O'Hagan Crosby from Bronx, born and settled in England now. Live long and prosper. 
So those are our fan shout-outs, guys. We appreciate it. If you'd like to hear yourself on a future fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talk and Beyond, and follow the instructions on the top of the page. We'd love to have you. And now it's time for our Star Trek birthdays. was not a Klingon song. No, it's not. But I'd be curious to know if it really is, if that, if Mark Okrand actually made that in Klingon, if they just made it up to sound good. I, I've never actually looked into that, if, if that's actually translated into Klingon legitimately. If one of our I listeners knows, maybe you yeah. can let us know. I don't know, because work gets pretty grumpy every week when we play that <laughs> clip, so... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he does not watch uh, Shakespeare in the original Klingon. No, he definitely does not. So uh, this is the part of the show where we uh, say happy birthday to our members of our Star Trek family. And we also remember those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. We have a small list this week, which is great. And uh, we're going to turn to Eric for our remembrances first. Yeah, number one in our remembrances this week is actor Gary Downey, uh, who played the Tellarite inmate in the TOS episode, Whom Gods Destroy. Uh, Not the first Tellarite we meet, but one of the first Tellarite and uh, first Tellarite prisoner we meet. So Gary Downey, uh, happy birthday. Also, we're remembering Rudy Solari this week, who played the character of Salish in TOS's episode, The Paradise Center. Very, of course, famous episode and uh, Rudy did a great job in that role. So happy birthday to Rudy Solari. We're also saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Bill Zuckert, who played the sheriff, Sheriff Bahan, in uh, TOS's episode Spectre of the Gun, uh, one of our favorite Western episodes from TOS. So Bill Zuckert, uh, happy birthday to you. And we're also remembering this week James Gregory, who played Dr. Tristan Adams in TOS's episode The Dagger of the Mind. So uh, happy to all those who have gone before us who would have had birthdays this week. Charles, why don't you start us out with those who are still with us who have birthdays this week. Okay, we'll kind of look at the birthday list. Eric's got to go all TOS. I'm doing TNG Boy and DS9. You get the modern era mostly. Let's start off with Michael Marsh, Michelle Marsh who played Lita in TNG's When the Bow Breaks. Frank Luz played Odin in TNG's The Host. Andy Dick played the EMH Mark II in Boy's episode Messenger in a Bottle. And finally on mine, the cold the boar played Esri Dak in DS9 Season 7. And that's all on mine. Why don't you take it over, Jim, from the movies and current era? Yeah, I wanted to jump... <clears throat> excuse me. I wanted to jump back to the host and uh, and Frank Luz mm-hmm. for a minute because a lot of fans... Well, fans, myself included, that... We'll, we'll look at that episode and get a little bit confused. And I've heard a lot of fans say, oh, well, the, the, the characters of Gray and Adira, they already tackled that on Star Trek with 
the host and with the trill. No. And I and I've, I've got to point out that the 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 fact that the host is a female and the trill is is um what's the word asexual non sex um the, the the trill doesn't mm-hmm. have a sex um what's the word I'm looking for Eric help me out here a gen- um, does the trill not have a gender I guess yeah yeah not binary not binary so I guess that would yeah. make it non binary but I didn't remember that yeah yeah the trill the, the the trill has no the the host doesn't have any effect on the trill symbiont inside of it. So the fact that the trill started off in Odin and then went to Riker, then went to a woman, and Beverly got involved with him is a completely absolutely different situation than what we see on Discovery with Gray and Adira. Um, that that that's a a a binary character that's referred to as they or them and not he or she. A trill is still referred to as a he or a she based on the sexuality of the host that they are currently in. It's a different situation. And I just wanted to point (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's a good point, Jim. And I think, you know, the the trill stuff has always been kind of like, oh, gosh, how how do we do that? Because back in the 90s, you know, we didn't really have a good, like, frame of reference culturally for um, folks whose bodies look different from the way that they felt inside. And so I think that that's a, that's a great point that this episode kind of brings that up, but it is an entirely, not entirely different, but it, but it covers different grounds than Gray and Adira are covering in Discovery, for sure. Yeah, it's a little bit different. So I just wanted yeah. to point that we, I had the opportunity to bring it up, and I wanted to bring it up. So not to get too deep and intellectual with you guys, because we are here to talk Star Trek, which we definitely are going to do. I want to finish off the birthdays. And like, uh, like Charles said, oddly enough, mine are, are mostly uh, modern era uh, people. So uh, we'd like to say happy birthday to Jason Mansukis, who plays Jacob Pog on, Predig- on Prodigy. Uh, oddly enough, in, in, um, in uh, Billy's little crew of cadets, Coincidence? I wonder. Um, <laughs> speaking I of coincidence, rights into it. That was just, yeah. <laughs> we'd like to say happy birthday to Noelle Wells, who plays Devon Attendee on Lower Decks. Coincidentally enough, we also saw an Orion in Tilly's batch of cadets. Another coincidence? Hmm. Things that make mm. you wonder, huh? <laughs> and I, Noelle uh, Wells if there's a small chance that you're listening to this podcast, I just want to say my daughter absolutely loves Tendi, like beyond belief, her absolute favorite character on that show. And we just love everything about her. So great job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, when they did Star Trek day and she was on stage with, um, uh, who's the guy that, that um, who's the other dude that she was with? I haven't seen lower decks in a while. I can't remember the name the Geordie dude. The engineer oh, guy. Um, oh, you mean Rutherford? Rutherford. 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 Yeah. When yeah, those Rutherford. two were together on Star Trek Day, they had such a great rapport with each other. It was it was a, a delight to watch. Um, yes. They played really well off of each other. They really were engaging and seemed to really be having a good time. And I, just, I really, really liked both of them. So happy mm-hmm. birthday yeah. to Noel. Um, another one. I got the wrong name. Sorry. Uh, 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 <laughs> Fidelity is setting in uh, early, right? It um, is. 
It's it's like it bleeds through the internet sometimes, Jim. I don't know how you do it. it, it it's, I'm long on the tooth and short on the tongue. What can I tell you? Um, <laughs> we love you, Jim. We love you. <laughs> um, we'd also like to say happy birthday to Dina Myers, who, to Star Trek fans, is known as Commander Denatra in Star Trek Nemesis, the coolest Romulan of all. But I happen to know her from another movie that she did called Starship Troopers, where she played Dizzy. And uh, I ran a poll on our Facebook page. And she also played Batgirl in, in Birds of Prey, that short-lived series that was on uh, CW not too long ago. But I ran a poll to see who did you guys like her better as, Donatra or Dizzy? And Dizzy won hands down. But but I'm not sure if I agree with the reason why Dizzy won hands down. The reason why Dizzy won hands down is if you guys ever saw the movie, there's a shower scene in that movie where uh. she's in the shower doing a nude scene. But 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 have you guys seen the movie? Oh yeah, you must have. Yeah. So it's not it's, it's 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 he, the, the, the nude scene that's in the movie is there for a reason. It moves the narrative. It's not just a, a, a TNA shot thrown into the movie. These are soldiers, and they're in the shower, and that's it. That's the context of it. But so many fans just said, oh, well, it has to be Starship Troopers because she was naked. So, you know, if you saw it on TV and you took that nude scene out, then what role would you think is better? I don't know. But anyways, happy birthday to Dina Meyer. And, um, yeah, so happy birthday. And last, but definitely not least, we want to say happy birthday to Michelle Hurd, who plays Rafi on Star Trek Picard. And, My favorite. Uh, I love Rafi. Yeah, she, Rafi. she is awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so I wonder, I wonder, uh, Andy, uh, with your yes. inside connections, have you uh, been – Sneaking around the set with that movie star son of yours lately? Have any information <laughs> for us on any of the birthdays? <laughs> Have you been well, to any well, of their parties? To disappoint, but with the pandemic, that that hasn't been happening very much. We, uh, we the last thing he got to do over at the Star Trek headquarters in Santa Monica, the the um, the, the secret hideout offices was the painting with Issa, Issa the, mm-hmm. uh, who played Data's daughters. Mm-hmm. And the two right. of them got to paint Data's painting from that, that first season, uh, Daughter. Uh, and that's a, that's a video short on StarTrek.com. And that was the last thing Jude got to do. He was lined up to do another thing, and we were days away from doing it, when Star Trek.com had to cancel because they had just gotten back from that Star Trek cruise like a week before mm-hmm. the entire world shut down for COVID. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, Jude was two seconds away from meeting someone pretty incredible and getting to do something with him. Or with her, I mean. Wow. Well, we're, we're, we're keeping yeah. our eye on him. <laughs> so and I'm hoping once, once things finally open up, open up, that then maybe – uh, they'll they'll bring Jude back in to do something, and maybe he'll get to meet up with the the actress he almost got to do something with. We haven't told him, just in case it doesn't happen. I don't want to break his heart. 
Maybe he'll be on. Maybe he'll be on an episode, and we can have him on the podcast again. <laughs> that would be pretty. That'd cool. be cool. That would be awesome. So he could play a very wraps- young, long-haired. Uh, yes, a young John. Yeah, there you go, Johnny Luke. Child, yeah. I love it. Jonathan <laughs> Picard. <laughs> so uh, guys, that wraps up our Star Trek birthdays, and now we have a relatively new section, a segment that we call Convention Calendar. And uh, that's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it's convention, 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 calendar, 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 calendar. There right, guys, all the conventions that we're going to mention. Uh, I recommend that you get in touch with either the event location or do a quick search on the Internet to find out more information. If you have an event going on in your area that you'd like to hear mentioned on this podcast, just go to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, and shoot us the information, and we will get it on a future convention calendar ASAP. So starting off with, I have London Comic Mart 2022 being held on January 30th at the uh, Royal National Hotel in London, UK. We have QuadCon Cedar Rapids 2022 being held on January 30th at the Doubletree by Hilton Hotel Cedar Rapids Convention Center Complex in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, We also have Missouri Con 2022, February 12th at the Holiday Inn St. Louis Downtown Convention Center in St. Louis. Um, Last but not least on my list, we have Long Beach Comic Expo 2022, February 12th and 13th at the Long Beach Convention Center in Long Beach, California. Eric, what do you got on your list? I've got the Clandestine Comic Book Show, which sounds pretty interesting, February 13th at the Doubletree Hotel in Laurel, Maryland. We're also checking out the East Bay Comic Con, February 13th at the Crown Plaza Concord Walnut Creek in Concord, California. Con-Nuga. That's right, Con-Nuga. <laughs> February 18th through 20th. That sounds so cool. At the Chattanooga Convention Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And finally on my list is the Pensacon. February 18th through the 20th at Pensacola Bay Center in Pensacola, Florida. Charles. All right. So let's start off with San Diego Rocket Con. February 19th and 20th in the Scottish Rite Adventure Center in San Diego, California. San Expo Vancouver, February 19th to 21st, Vancouver Convention Center, Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. Great Lakes Convention, Comic Convention, February 25th to 26th. The Malcolm Community College Sports and Expo Center, Warren, Minnesota. Michigan, sorry. Michigan. And Alamo, Alamo HeroCon, February 26th and 27th, Palmer Event Center in Austin, Texas. And then a friend of mine just reminded me, thank you, Ty. Level Up Expo, February 25th to 27th at the Las Vegas Convention Center, Las Vegas, Nevada. You know, Alamo HeroCon. That sounds interesting. The Alamo HeroCon. 
Yeah, that does sound really interesting. And I still Don't think I may, Alamo. I may even drive up to Vancouver. I may even drive up to Vancouver, BC for this other one because this this Vancouver one looks really fun. I checked it out. The Fan Expo, Vancouver. Yeah. It sounds fun. Can I get into Canada? So, I haven't even checked it out these days. I think I can. <laughs> I can't. You know what? That's, that's a good question. I, I I don't know. I a buddy of mine who does another pod, a French podcast. I've tried listening to it, but Como vous vous I don't understand French. Anyways, he um, he does a, a Star Trek podcast in Canada, and uh, he was going to come down for uh, Trek Conroga, could not cross the border. Mm-hmm. So they had reopened it, and then when it spiked, they closed it all down again. So he was upset that he couldn't go. So I would check before you go there. <laughs> for sure. Anyways, guys, uh, we still have a lot of show planned for you guys. We've got, we got a couple of stories to talk about in Star Trek news, and then we're going to dive right into a, a, ver- uh, a very Merry Christmas with Pavel Chekhov. And, of course, we're going to chat with the one and only Andy Bray. But first, we have to take this quick commercial break, so don't touch that dial, run to the bathroom, run to the microwave, and hurry right back because you don't want to miss anything. We'll be right back after this message. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, guys, and our phone number here is 646-668-2433. You want to get us on your speed dial, and you want to get ready to call because we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery, the examples. But more importantly, we're going to have the one and only Andy Bray. And if you guys want to ask him some questions, or maybe you want to talk to Pavel Chekhov. He's he's usually around if, if Andy's around. He's he can get Pavel to come on and chat with you guys, too. So you want to give us a call at 646-668-2433, and we'll get you right on the air. So like I said, we do have a couple of Star Trek news stories before we get to Andy. So uh, without any further ado, it's... Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. All the stories we're about to talk about, you can find in their entirety on our Facebook page. All right, guys. So, Star Trek news time, and Eric gets our first story. Well, Jim, I am a dad, and I love a good pun, and this one starts with a great one. Did you hear? Spock's famous Star Trek ears are coming to the Smithsonian. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Spock's ears will live long and prosper at the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum in D.C. The elfin ear tips were used as props during the original Star Trek series to create the iconic look of the Starship Enterprise's science officer, Spock. And you can check them out starting next year. The ear tips were donated to the museum by the family of Leonard Nimoy, the actor who portrayed the half-human, half-Vulcan Spock, known for his cool logic and pithy sayings on the original Star Trek series, which originally ran from 1966 to 1969. 
Nimoy died in 2015. Quote, when he finished filming the original Star Trek series in 1969, my father brought home a small memento to commemorate his three years of dedicated work on the original series, a pair of Spock's Vulcan ears, Adam Nimoy said. Mounted in a black box, those ears have been in our family for over 50 years as a tribute to Dad's outstanding performances as Mr. Spock and the inspiration and hope that Star Trek has given to generations of fans all over the planet. The ears are set to go on display in the fall of 2022 in the museum's upcoming Kenneth C. Griffin Exploring the Planet's Gallery. So that is pretty exciting that you will finally get to see those. And if you haven't been to the National Air and Space Museum, what are you waiting for? You should go. Uh, wait till the fall of 2022. Okay. Uh, I will add an extra bonus in the one to go to the museum. Because the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, last I know, and they should still have it, has a working model of a TOS Enterprise. And Very every cool. few hours, they actually light it up. <laughs> I got to see it when it first opened. And, oh, you felt like a little kid against that thing, just seeing that thing light up and <clears throat> feel like it was mm-hmm. getting ready to be filmed. Yeah, and I just remember no. walking into that museum, and it's got all these airplanes hanging and yeah. like spaceships. And just, it is really, like, for a kid who was into science fiction, um, it was like, Mecca. Like I just walked in and I felt like I knew everything about everything, yeah. even though I didn't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so much fun. Well, uh, being being a little long on the tooth, uh, last time I was there was 1991, and they had a Star Trek exhibit there. I don't know if it's still there or what, but they had the Captain Kirk's chair was there. Um, they had the Klingon belt buckles, which were just gold spray painted bubble wrap. They had Dr. McCoy's medical scanner, which was just a salt and pepper shaker. Uh, they had Alana Troyes' outfit, which basically was plastic uh, placemats stapled together. Um, they had all the props from TOS, which when you see them in person, you're like, wow. And, uh, but they look good on TV. And I don't know if that exhibit is still there that, or, or what, no. but I'm going back a long, That's long fun. time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, but that would probably be the Smithsonian Natural History Museum, American yeah. History Museum, and that thing rotates constantly with displays. There have been so yeah. many displays rotating through that place. Their archive so, is incredible. It was fun, though. And, uh, Charles, you've got our next story in the news. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Grudge's backstory to kick off new Star Trek Discovery comic miniseries. IDW, IDW Publishing announces they are planning to explore the far future of Star Trek Discovery with a four-issue miniseries. Star Trek Discovery Adventures in the 32nd Century. IDW is returning to Star Trek Discovery comics in 2022 with a new miniseries spotlighting different characters. The first issue will finally tell us about Book, Booker's mysterious cat, Grudge, promising a flashback tale of her first meeting with Cle- Cleveland Book Booker, which sets the stage for the, tra- the 
trajectory establishing grudge as the greatest feline space bear of, of all. Diving deeper into the Queen Grudge's mind. No date was provided when the series would kick off. Earlier this year, Hero Collectors was working on their own book about Grudge. Originally, originally set to be released earlier this month, the 96 hardcover, hardcover Star Trek Discovery, The Book of Grudge, is now set to be released January 4th. And there were three other crew, three other people on crew that they were also going to do stories on. And just and, as a little sidebar, we will be having the author of The Book of Grudge on this podcast to talk all about it. So I want to stay tuned for that. I The book got pushed back, as Charles said, and so that kind of messed up our schedule a little bit. But I have been in touch with the author, and he's more than happy to come on and talk about his interviews with Grudge and, and, you know, know, how Grudge handles stardom and running back to her trailer and all those fun things. (laughs) So um, we will be having him on the show to talk about meeting Grudge and interviewing Grudge. So... As soon as I have information on that, I will definitely get that out to you guys. I cross my paws and hope to die. Okay. And Charles, so. Charles, do you remember who the other three people are that uh, have issues? Uh, they, I'm super excited. There was uh, Adira. Yeah, go ahead. I think there's Adira. I couldn't remember the three. Adira. Adira, Adira Tal is going to have one. Uh, Kayla Detmer is going to have one. And Linus. Science Officer Linus is going to Oh, yes, and Linus. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to a story on Linus. I want to know so much more about him. I know, right? <laughs> he is such a mysterious character. I love bringing him in again this season. He hasn't any lines yet, but you've seen him a couple of times. Yeah, yeah he's been beaming around. You never can tell when he's going to show up. So uh, the yeah. last story we have for tonight... Star Trek Discovery, and this one was really surprised me, and it, it just dropped today, so this is news as of a few hours ago. Star Trek Discovery taking mid-season hiatus after next week, returning February of 2022. Dun, dun, dun. After this morning's release of the sixth episode of Season 4, Paramount Plus announced Star Trek Discovery will be taking hiatus after Episode 7. In a bit of a surprise announcement, Paramount's Plus release <clears throat> revealed Episode 7 of Star Trek Discovery arriving next week, Thursday, December 30th, will be a mid-season finale. The series will return on February 10th, 2022, with Episode 8. Paramount Plus has not yet concerned, confirmed how many episodes there are in Season 4. Season 3 had 13 Season 2 had 14, and Season 1, which also took a surprise mid-season hiatus, had 15. There is a possibility, perhaps, even a probability, that this announcement could have a ripple effect on the second season of Star Trek Picard. On Star Trek Day, Paramount Plus announced that Picard was ready to return in February of 2022. This was also seen in the new trailer released on that day. Paramount Plus has not provided any update on Picard as of today. However, it would not be surprising if they removed the Season 2 debut to avoid an overlap with Discovery. 
Star Trek Prodigy went on hiatus on November 18th after the release of the fifth episode. The animated series is set to return on January 6th with the sixth episode followed by four more until episode 10 on February 3rd. After that, the series will go on hiatus again until later in 2022 when it returns with the second batch of 10 episodes to complete the first season. So I was looking on the calendar. I had this all figured out until they dropped this bomb on us because it was going to work out absolutely perfectly for Picard to air in in February. But now that they're going to take a break, I really do not think that they are going to show Discovery and Picard back-to-back. We only got two weeks of back-to-back Discovery and Prodigy, was it? Before Prodigy Why went we... on hiatus? Yeah, it was only yeah. week and Prodigy was totally overlap. different format, so... Yeah, but I mean, they don't like to overlap their new shows, is, is what I'm saying. Right. And yeah. So, with, with, with Prodigy coming back, Discovery going on hiatus, Picard due to come back, I, I really don't know how this is going to affect their schedule. Well, what's amazing to me oh. is I don't understand how a mid-season hiatus is not known about ahead of time. Or maybe it was. Maybe they just didn't want to tell us about it. But it feels like it's a one and Say that again, Andy? I would say, if I had to venture a guess, I would say that this was a last-minute decision based on production delays involving studs of Picard. I mean, okay. Like you said, they're probably not going to overlap Picard in discovery. And Picard was set to premiere in February. So if they're now premiering Discovery Part 2 of Season 4 in February, my guess would be that there were some sort of post-production delays and Picard is not ready to go in February. And so rather than having a gap with no Star Trek and, and, and us going through severe withdrawals for an entire month, that they are, you know, figured, hey, instead of running Discovery and Prodigy together in January, we'll just do Prodigy in January, push back Discovery to February, and Picard will be ready in March. That would be yeah. my guess. That, would, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and I think that would I explain think that, why it was kind of like last minute decision. Yeah. You know? Yep. Absolutely. And that also would push back Strange New Worlds, which which might actually all be part of their whole master plan to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, maybe actually yeah. have a full year of just week to week nonstop Star Trek, and then you know, Lower Decks ready to go in August again, and. Prodigy coming back in the fall and Discovery season five in the fall. Hopefully. Right. And and actually, I was going to say, uh, we don't like, I because of the holidays, my daughter and I both had today off. So, yes, I cheated and I sneak peeked and I watched tonight's episode before the show and, and Frakes directed it. I know it's going to be good. But, but speaking to what Andy just said, I watched The Ready Room with Will Wheaton because I love Will Wheaton and I love Jonathan Frakes. And Jonathan Frakes said in an interview on The Ready Room today that he already is looking forward to directing his episode with the VR wall for season five of Discovery. So there, you have, there, so there will be a fifth season of, of Discovery, even though they haven't officially yet. Yeah. Frakes just did. He, I, when you guys watch the ready room, because I'm sitting there with my daughter, and is like, wait, wait, I rewound it and said, did he just say what I think he said? Yes, he did. <laughs> because, because Will Wheaton asked him, Will Wheaton asks him, what was it like working with the VR wall? And he says something like he didn't get to work on it. This was a bottle episode, blah, blah, blah. But 
I'm looking forward to directing my season five episode with the VR wall. So there will be <laughs> season five of Discovery. Freak said so. There you have it. Well, that's done. Nice. He also Basically, said, he also said that he is looking forward or no, that he's currently working on a Picard episode. Whether or not that's in season two or season three, I'm not sure. But he well, said he's working. Two, so it must be season three. Must mm-hmm. be season three. And so those are, the, those are the two pullouts of the ready room. But the big one was when he said that, he, that he's directing an episode in season five. So there will be, beyond well, a shadow of a doubt, season five of Discovery, guys. So nice. well, there you have yeah. it. You, you talked about Paramount wanting to do endless Star Trek. If you figure, if you figure, Discovery goes till about March, April and May for Picard, June, July, and so for Strange New Worlds. You know what that times in for? That would put us just in time for Lower Deck season three. If they release right. about the and it same time they usually well. do, we may get some endless. It's okay, okay. We're done with this series. On to the next one. Yeah, that's what they said. That was their original plan. Was new Star Trek every Thursday. Well, yeah, twenty twenty two might we be the first year we get our full year of Star Trek. Oh, so it's gonna yeah. be yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, guys. Every episode, uh, almost every episode, we could be sitting there talking about Star Trek newest episode. I know, won't that be awesome? Uh, it's, it's yeah. a, a, a podcaster's fantasy, right there. So, anyways, <laughs> guys, uh, we've covered our news, we've covered our birthdays, we've covered our fan shoutouts, we've covered our convention calendar. Now it's time to take a trip to the Star Trek and to the Starship Enterprise. And we're going to find out exactly what does Pavel Chekhov do on the Enterprise at Christmas. And what is the deal with that elephant in the room? We're going to find out. But before mm. we do that, let's talk to Andy a little bit about it and, and find out. So, Andy, you know, what was your, uh, you know, motivation for this particular Trek skit? This was kind of a spur of the moment one. I that, School was winding down for the little ones, and I was able to put my green screen back up in their quote-unquote classroom, their virtual classroom. I was finally going to get to filming the the long-awaited lens flares sketch that I told you guys about. Uh, And I I keep having to push off and push off and push off. And I was like, you know what? This is going to come out just in time for Christmas. It's kind of like a Christmas special. And then that was all it took. I thought, wait a second. I should do an actual Christmas special. And who better to host the Christmas special than Pavel Chekhov? So sorry, Lens Flares, I'm going to have to push you back yet again. And, and then I sat down and, and spent a week quickly writing out this episode and then filmed it in a day and then got to editing it. And it just it timed out perfectly that I was able to, to release it on Monday in time for Christmas week. Yeah, and, and I also I have a link to that on our Facebook page, guys. So you can go to our Facebook page, and you can watch the entire video. We're gonna I ripped the audio, so we're gonna play it for you here in a couple of minutes. So, but if you want to watch it, you you can find it on YouTube. You can also find it on our Facebook page, yeah. and you can 
watch it in its entirety. Um, but but uh, Chekhov kind of pulls a Riker on us in this particular clip. <laughs> yes, indeed. Chekhov yeah. is sporting a beard. So anyone who's ever wondered, what would Pavel Chekhov look like with a beard? Uh, for those of you who are unable to watch it, spoiler alert, he looks a lot like Yakov Smirnov. But for anyone <laughs> able to watch it, you want to see what Pavel Chekhov looks like with a beard. Sounds like Yakov, too. He joins the ranks of, of, of many famed Star Trek characters who have sported a beard, from Data to Riker to, to Geordi, meme Geordi as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and you know I I tell this story and I'm going to tell it again here because it's the perfect bearded opportunity. I, I, we went up to a convention one time. My my wife just loves Riker. And if that's all it takes to get her to a convention, let's go. We drove up to Syracuse, New York, to meet Jonathan Frakes. There was a snowstorm, of course. They canceled the convention, but we were already there. Jonathan was walking out of the lobby to go back to to leave, and he had a beard. And we'd never seen Riker with a beard. So uh, we went up to talk to him, and we took a picture with him and talked to him for a couple minutes. And he said, what do you think about the beard? And we're like, well, it's, it's cool. And he says, well, since you guys like it, I think I'll keep it. And sure enough, when season two premiered, Riker had his beard. And if it wasn't for us, he would have shaved it off. So you have us to thank so it's for that. entirely <laughs> to you guys. You, you made that character. Wow. That's right. Amazing, Jim. That's right. Amazing. Isn't that? See, I am yeah. pivotal in the, in the world of Star Trek. You did not know that. I hope you guys get wife... your, your beard residuals. Oh, That's yeah. right. <laughs> the, uh, he's on screen we... with a beard. We didn't drive up to Syracuse that day and uh, run into him in the lobby and talk him into keeping the beard. Star Trek could be totally different now. And we wouldn't have bearded yeah, Chekhov probably either. would have been canceled. That would, that would, yep, be the it would have been over. You guys right now, would, you would be talking about, uh, uh, I don't know, Game of 90 show. Sequest. This would be Sequest talking Sequest. Right <laughs> Sequest DSC. <laughs> Without the be- no, actually, didn't um, – uh, he had a Bridger beard. Have a beard? <laughs> yeah. He did. <laughs> <laughs> he totally he did. Yeah. Yep, he did. So, anyways, so guys, what do you say? Are we ready to hear a Chekhov's Weary Merry Christmas? You, you guys want to hear it? Hell yeah. All right. All right, so here oh, yeah. it is, guys. Chekhov's a Weary Merry Christmas. Uh, Andy, you want to introduce this one and set it up for us, or do you just want me to roll it? Yeah, this is, uh, once again, in the documentary style of the first sketch I did, Becoming Chekhov. Pavel Chekhov in his quarters talking about what he does to try to get the Enterprise into the Christmas spirit for the holidays. And Trek Sketches presents a very merry Chekhov Christmas. Guess who's back? Put down your re-sequence protein cubes and pick up your eggnog because it's Christmas time! from the rest of these bah humbug heathens. But first, let me address the elephant in the room. Yes, the crappy elephant ornament on the tree. 
<laughs> it was a gift from the gifted. Also, I have a Bye. It's like that episode of Young Indiana Jones. You know, the one where Harrison Ford shows up, but instead of looking like Indy, he's all bearded out like some sort of freaking hobo jazz cowboy. But it's Harrison Ford, so what are you going to do? He's, he's exactly like that. Also, beards were Russian invention. They were invented by a little lady from Leningrad. <laughs> Circuit. Every year I try to get the crew into Christmas, and every year... I met with more resistance than a proctologist trying to give a horta an enema. For instance, last year, I tried to spread holiday cheer by decorating the engine room with Christmas trees, menorahs, Kwanzaa kinaras, and Kazinti holiday flamethrowers. <laughs> Unfortunately, that festive combination of flash fuels and open flames led to a less than festive holiday inferno. We lost so many Richards that day. Now Scotty, <laughs> Mr. Scotch-drenched Scrooge himself, has forbidden me from ever decorating his precious vote collar ever again. So if you ask me, the real fire hazard in that room is Mr. Chief Engineer Boo's breath himself. Year in and year out, the only support I ever get is from the captain. I know, I'm as surprised as you are. But every Christmas, he insists I'm personally hanging mistletoes in front of every yeoman's quarters. <laughs> but? <laughs> oh. That randy little bastard! But this year is going to be different. I've got a foolproof plan for bringing cheer to the ship. I've started a Christmas caroling group called Nuclear Wassels. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. Right now I'm the only member But not for long Because I'm starting at Mr. Spock's quarters If I can give that walk in the Christmas spirit The rest of the ship won't stand a chance And I have a dynamite selection of songs We wish you a Merry Christmas Black Holy Night Vortnacells Vortnacells it's Christmas time in the galaxy. Oh, come all ye Federation officers. Joy to the Klingon homeworld. The 12 star dates of Christmas. Wonderful Christmas time. Paul McCartney. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Tribble. Not a lot of people know this, but that last one was actually based on an old Earth song. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Cossack. <laughs> You know it? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Cossack drank his vodka from a hole. And if you ever saw him, you would say that he has woes. All of the other Cossacks were very concerned and tried numerous times to get Rudolph help. You know, typical Russian holiday song. Very chilly. And for the grand finale, Jingle Bell Spock. He's going to love it. <laughs> Wish me luck. Half a verse later. Slow me soup. He'll blame it on Ponfar. Again. But I know the truth. This ship hates Christmas. I should have waited until after dinner. Working, ordering, slow me soup. <laughs> 
for dinner? Shut up, computer! Oh, I hate you worst of all. <laughs> and I hate the f***ing holidays. That's it. I'm really doing it this time. I'm really going to do it. I'm going to take that job off on the Reliant, finally. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> um. <laughs> well, the worst of happened is he could get a giant bug in his ear, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Third job, not a great career choice going to the Reliant, because he ends up right back at the Enterprise at the same station. Oh, poor Pavel. <laughs> For those of you that enjoyed that, that, that radio presentation of the sketch, there's a number of visual jokes that you'll, you'll absolutely love. So check it out. Uh, go to Trek Talkings. Uh, Facebook feed, go to YouTube, look for Andy Bray, or you can go to my website, theandybray.com, and check out Wary Merry Checkoff Christmas. Yes, the 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 elephant in the room. I was I was like when I, when you watch it because the elephant in the room and he zooms in on an elephant ornament on the tree, <laughs> <laughs> which is a really crappy one. And I kid you not, it's it's sold at Kirkland. Oh, no way. No, the name of the really? that sells it. Yeah, yeah. When I found that, I was like, well, that's perfect. <laughs> that's absolutely perfect. <laughs> it, it is funny. You, you miss a lot of the cues <laughs> listening to it on the radio, but uh, you got to go yeah. and check it out. It's hilarious. <laughs> I was, Thank you. I was laughing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, oh, man. And I just, it was funny because um, it just popped up on the feed, and as soon as I saw it, I, I I linked it to the Facebook page, and he immediately shot Andy an IM, and I said, dude, we got to get you on the show Thursday. And I know this was short notice because this was on Monday. I was like, if you're not too busy, <laughs> you come on the show on Thursday. And here we are. <laughs> well, it worked out it was that quick. And to be completely honest, I was actually kind of hoping that, that you would notice the sketch and ask me to come yeah. onto the show. But I like, you know, I, I love that you guys have me on the premiere of these sketches. Uh, but this this one was actually time sensitive. I felt like if I come on on January in January to do a, a Christmas sketch, it loses a little something. So it's kind mm-hmm. of fingers crossed, yeah. hoping Jim's going to notice it and say, "Hey, why don't you come on on Thursday?" And I'll be like, "Really? Me? Gosh, I'd love to." <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was my, my secret plan all along was to get on to your and it worked, special it, episode it worked like yeah, a bug in the ear baby. <laughs> I saw that boom, right boom, away boom. <laughs> I was like excellent it worked oh, perfect yeah. Christmas our big Christmas show and it was just it was just perfect it, I, I couldn't have asked for anything better so listen guys we're going to take a, another quick commercial break and uh, this time in honor of Andy, um, I'm going to play a little a little something for you guys that we, we like to pull out and blow the dust off once in a while. And this is a perfect time to do it. And as you guys may or may not know, Andy, not only is he Mr. Chekhov, not only does he make these funny Star Trek sketches, but he was also in a Star Trek fan film. And he wrote a book about it called Making Fake Star Trek. 
and and a video to go along with the with the release of the book. I'm going to play that that clip. It's a, it's a couple minutes long. It's it's got Andy in it, and it's got his awesome son in it. I've actually, Andy, this was before your son was famous, right? Yes, this was before his Star Trek dot com fame. Now now he doesn't return my phone calls. I have to talk to his agent just to get him to show up for breakfast. <laughs> so, Tell me it's not a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, guys, um, this is the uh, a Making Fake Star Trek extended commercial that I'm going to play for you guys. So sit back and enjoy. You guys done cleaning your room yet? Oh, my God. Hey, you guys are playing Star Trek. Cool. You know, I, I used to be in Star Trek. Really? Well, I mean, I mean, not really. I mean, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> well, it, it looked like Star Trek. It just wasn't. Not really. Were you or weren't you, Dad? I was. Just, you know, not real Star Trek. Fake Star Trek? No. Well, yeah. But we had real sets, real costumes, amazing special effects from Emmy Award winner Doug Drexler. <laughs> and makeup by Oscar winner Kevin Haney. And an original screenplay by legendary Star Trek writer D.C. Fontana. Okay, well, you'll appreciate those names when you get older. The point is, we had a perfect recreation of the original Star Trek series if it had been renewed for a fourth season. With Emmy winners, Oscar winners, Trekkies, an Elvis impersonator, and Walter Caney. The original checkup himself, Walter Caney. On TV? No, not on TV. It was a web series before anyone even knew or cared about what that was. But we had DVDs. You just carry that with you? We got the real checkup to be in our episode. Look, look at this. I got pictures. See, there's me. There's Walter Koenig, Star Trek's checkup. He even wrote something to me. To Andy. To you I hand the torch, be it yours to hold it high. Bet he doesn't just write that to anybody, huh? And look at those uniforms. Real legit looking. Makeup. Huh? That's you? Yeah. I play Chekhov. Young Chekhov. You look like David Jones. How do you even have that reference on standby? You know what? Never mind. The point is, I was in Star Trek. Fake Star Trek. Sort of Star Trek? Fake Star Trek. Yeah, but like with lots of real Star Trek people in it, so probably closer to real Star Trek than fake Star Trek. Dad, I'm kind of busy here. Huh? What are you doing, Dad? Huh? I can do the voice. That always impressed people. This is sad. Ensign Pavel Chekhov, USS Enterprise. This is getting very Russian. I'm gonna tell mom you're holding on to past glories again. Look, I wrote a book about it. It's called Making Fake Star Trek. Yeah, fake. It's a funny memoir about making a Star Trek fan film with Walter Koenig, the real Chekhov. It's about a Trekkie's dream come true gone horribly wrong. Huh? Sad. Here, I'll just leave this with you. Neat. I don't care, Dad. Just, you know, just mind the curse words. Curse words? Wait, no, don't be excited about that. Give me that. Give me, give me. <laughs> Making Fake Star Trek, a book by Andy Bray and John Lynn. You can order it now on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. No, you can't have it. Buy it on Amazon today. And we're back. 
and, and Andy, I saw a, a funny post on your Instagram where Amazon recommended your own book to you. <laughs> yeah, the, the book that you and I wrote, we wrote a, a children's book called Big Strong Flying Man, a superhero children's book. And oddly enough, Amazon, looking to see if they could match me with my perfect book, sent me my own book to buy. It's like, thanks, Amazon algorithm. You are certainly pulling your weight. Wow, that's, that's too funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, at least you know the the algorithm works, right? <laughs> well, I hope Kinda. it's sending out emails to other people too. I hope it's not just sending emails to me. Well, that's true. I didn't get one. <laughs> oh, see, there oh, you go. Well. They're putting all all it, it, all of it on my shoulders. I have to buy my own book and make it a success. Damn that's you, right. Amazon! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right, guys, the time has come. Star Trek Discovery, the examples. Our number here is 646-668-2433. Put down the eggnog, get to your phone, let your fingers do the walk-in, and give us a call. 646-668-2433. Before I start, I have to warn you. Red alert! Suffice to say, full spoilers follow from here on out, so if you haven't watched the episode yet, definitely go check that out first before you watch all right, you've been warned. There will be spoilers, so I don't want any hate mail being sent to me if we ruin an episode for you because you've been warned. Run, go watch it, and come right back. But but we do have a 48-hour spoiler-free uh, zone, and we're way beyond the 48 hours, so I don't feel too bad about it. So every week, because we love to get involved with you guys, our fans, because we're just not a bunch of talking heads. We want to hear from you guys as well. I post on our Facebook page a simple question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, what would you guys rate this week's episode? And we collect your scores and we average them out to see how close you guys come to us. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about last week's episode of Discovery, The Examples? Well, it, it seems pretty good. Carmen Gabriel gave it a 10. Wes Huntington gave it a 9.7. Braden Pletzer gave it a 10. Guillermo Uriah said a 6. Bethany Calzo gave it a 9. Wendy Sinfield gave it an 8. Sean Janier said, actually enjoyed this episode, 7. Top fan Jeffrey Jenkins gave it a 10. Ron Yeckel gave it a six. It's the best episode of the season thus far. And Linda Red Stewart gave it an eight. And that averages us out to an score of 8.4, which is uh, pretty much equal to what we had on episode three, Choose to Live, and just a skosh above last week's episode. So there you go. 8.4 is the mark. And. You know, looking at the scores from the episodes, uh, the episode one, Kobe Aishimaru scored the lowest with a 6.4. And then Anomaly got jumped a whole point higher with 7.4. And then Choose to Live, All is Possible, and the example all scored 8.4. So, so, so far, based on our fans' assessments, uh, Discovery's been holding steady at 8.4. And that's, you know... That's nothing to laugh at. That's that's pretty damn good. 
that's pretty good, and I think it's pretty consistent with how a lot of seasons start where they kind of need to get ramped up in the first couple episodes. You know, people always rate the first couple episodes a little lower because we're not in a storyline yet. So it's all just intros and kind of bring what just happened last season. And, you know, first episodes can sometimes be a little uh, uh, introductory, I guess, when they're uh, on later seasons. And so, yeah. I, I, that point jump to the second episode and then another point and then hold and steady. That makes a lot of sense to me with the way that the season has been flowing. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. So that's I'm, actually I'm... the interesting thing. I think about serialized seasons is if you compare it to nineties Trek, nineties mm-hmm. Trek season premieres always tended to be a, an exciting conclusion to a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yep. And so it's not really fair to compare a serialized Trek season uh, openers, which is, yeah, kind of a setup episode, kind of an exposition episode, uh, where are the characters and beginning their arcs episode. So, yeah, I, I, me, I think Discovery's been just dynamite this year. Yeah, yeah it's Andy, been getting right, better and better. I was going to say, back in the old days, too, when it was uh, just episodic Trek, you know, you might have a 9, then a 4.2, then a 6. <laughs> <laughs> than a seven, you know. Yeah, all over uh, the place. <laughs> yeah, whereas here we're kind of like, okay, we've got a rhythm going, you know, the, the train is well, that's rolling. Also the benefit Everybody... of not having to squeeze 26 episodes into a season. I mean, I uh, feel, feel bad for, like, the old shows that had to, like, workhorses just writing out scripts and filming scripts and acting scripts until they're just yeah. numb all over. That 10, 13 episodes is just so much easier to make quality, quality Star Trek. Not to say anything negative well, about the, the previous series. I love the previous series, obviously, but, you know, you always have those filler episodes. And so it's nice sure. to have seasons or a series that, that don't have to have that. Yep. Yeah, you go, well, you well, go from City on the Edge of Forever to Spock's Brain. Each episode was filmed, produced, and then released, and they were in the middle of doing the next episode. Whereas this one, they'll work on all 13 episodes, get it all cleaned up, then they'll release it. And I like that feature of it because, okay, you didn't get Jet Reno in the early production. Well, yeah, but we can fill her scenes later, still put her in, and still get her in the entire season. Right. Exactly. So... What do you say we talk about the examples? And uh, as usual, guys, I have some clips, and I'll go through the episode, and I'll pick some of, of my favorite moments out and then throw them at you guys to talk about. So this first clip Hold that on, I have. Are you saying that you've got some examples from the examples? I, I have some examples from the examples, and they're not expendable okay. examples either. So. <laughs> you guys are both dads. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be here. Um, yes, it'll be going. And it's like the Energizer Bunny; it keeps going and going and going. So um, the first clip um, is entitled "Man Made." You talking to yourself again? Or are you looking for some sort of response? The DMA's gone from the Venari sector. It just—it disappeared. That's impossible. Nothing in space just disappears. And it's back. The DMA reappeared 4.2 seconds later, 1,000 light years away. Can we confirm it's the same DMA we've been studying? The scan data matches exactly. 
And the odds of an identical anomaly forming are essentially nil. Not to mention, natural phenomena do not disappear and reappear elsewhere. Doesn't that violate the laws of physics? Every law we know of, that is. Zora, cross-reference all historical records in the sphere data. Are there any indications that this could have been due to some kind of natural event? Negative, Captain. This isn't natural. The only logical explanation is someone created it. So we start off with the, with the first kick to the gut, and that is it's not a natural phenomenon. It's man-made. Well, well, wait, let's read. It's, uh, it's not natural. It's not natural. It's, created. We, it's not natural. We don't know if it's created by a man, by a woman, by a Klingon. We don't know, but it's not natural. It's not a natural phenomenon. It's, it's being made by another entity someplace else. That was the first um, thing that jumps out of this episode. And uh, people were speculating that it was V'ger. I thought it was V'ger because the eye. I mean, I actually went back and watched Star Trek, the motion picture, and paused it. And then I went and I paused Discovery. And I carefully studied both images. And I'm like, wow. Wow, this entity looks an awful lot like V'ger. It's, it's, and even, even to the point when um, Detmer says that it, that it takes 12 AU's worth of energy, and that's exactly the amount of energy that V'ger was putting out in the motion picture. And I was like, oh, man, this is, this is, this is V'ger. Well, no, it's not V'ger, so my theory went out the window. Uh, then somebody th- said it was the whale probe and that the eye looked like a whale's eye from Star Trek Four. And I went back and I looked at that and I was like, well, yeah, I, I, I can kind of see it, but it's not a giant black cigar with a dangly thing on the bottom that's liquidating the ocean. So I don't know. Um, but that's a possibility. So what, what do you guys think? Andy being our guest for the show, and we're going to get into this a little oh, bit more as we move along. But what do you think the entity might be based on the fact that we found out it's not natural? Well, my gut instinct, and I mean, I've got no idea, um, but my gut instinct was it might be one of those time paradox entities where one of the people studying it created it, you know, like all good things kind of situation. Ah. Like somehow the studying of it, and then they even went so far as to kind of create a little mini version of it. Maybe they do something that creates it in the future, and then it, it comes back or something like that. Although there's been a lot of time travel and discovery lately, so probably that won't be the case. But that was my first instinct was maybe they somehow accidentally created. Yeah. I was thinking about the, remember um, last season when Dr. Kovic showed us the holographic image of the time traveling alternate universe um, person that died from the molecular disease that, uh, that Emperor Giorgio had. And I was thinking to myself, well, we had the temporal wars and, you know, how did Dr. Kovich know about this? And maybe it's a temporal war thing, but then I remembered that time travel is completely outlawed and illegal in discovery. Well, in oh, Star yeah, Trek right. now, 32nd century. Yeah. Yeah. So time travel shenanigans, you know, yeah, except for the travelers, crazy. except for Carl, Carl's allowed to do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Carl can do anything he wants. He's Carl. Yeah, he's, he's but, Carl. Uh, <laughs> it's possible also. They they did say that that this 
entity, this this uh, this space. What was it? What's it called again? The the DMA. The DMA. Yep. DMA. DNA. Dark matter anomaly. I keep wanting to say DMV. Uh, the DMV yep. also sucks your soul and, and just obliterates you too. But the, the yes, DMA. Yes, they do. That it's like a metaphor for COVID, and COVID. I mean, if you really want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it, could be blamed on deforestation, encroaching on on um, wild animals, habitats. So maybe perhaps it's it's some sort of metaphor like that, like something that Federation or someone else has been doing, and 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 some sort of space pollution or space deforestation or or warp effect or something that's been causing, you know, that they've been inadvertently creating their own doom, you know. That would make sense. That would absolutely I mean, that would be, make sense. That would be very discovery. And I think one of the things that we've seen, we've talked about this on the podcast too before, that we're seeing in discovery that we didn't see a lot in previous um, Star Treks. Well, I mean, we saw it in Picard, but the consequences of actions having repercussions later on. And that's exactly what you guys are talking about. Like you got, you passed yeah. ahead 930 years. Does that rip a hole in time space? You know, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, could be could be mycelial network travel causing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that yeah. it was harmful to an entity that lived there until they figured that out. So, huh. well, I um, we, we we have another clip here uh, called Race Ten C, and I want to I want to talk about this one. I've already received a call from the Kavanaugh High Council. The the fear in their voices was unmistakable. They are desperate for answers. We all are. Most important being, who's behind this anomaly? Federation security has identified a number of civilizations that may possess technology this advanced. The Metrons, the Nassim, the surviving members of the Iconian Empire. The Q Continuum were considered as well, but as there's been no contact for 600 years, and this is unlike anything they've done before, we don't believe it's them. For now, we're classifying those responsible as Unknown species 10C. The 10C? Admiral, it seems to me the first step would be to figure out how the DMA works, and we can trace the tech back to its creators, whoever they are. That's my thought exactly, which is why I've asked Ruan Tarka to advise us. He's been heading a number of our scientific endeavors. Including the next generation spore drive, if I'm not mistaken. He's working with Aurelio on that one. They still haven't solved the navigator problem, so without me or book, it's useless. If anyone yeah, so they mentioned some very interesting uh, races in there, um, the Metrons. And for those of you who don't know, the Metrons are the arena, the, the people that the Gorn and Captain Kirk, they were the little, the little winged dude that was hanging out on, on Gorn Rock there. He was a Metron. Uh, the Iconians, I thought the Iconians were all dead. I wasn't sure well, if there were any Iconians left. They're supposed to be extinct, but remember that we never actually see Iconians, and the only reference we get to them back in the day is uh, the one that Picard makes. I do not remember the episode, but he talks about the Iconians way back then and that they are supposed to be extinct, but who knows? Maybe they're inferring that it could be leftover Iconian tech causing it? Mm, maybe, just like the gateways. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it was we we know it's definitely not Q. Um, 
Although you know, when he mentioned it to you, I did think, what if this is some sort of setup for the, the, the sort of whispered about connecting all the series, you know? Some sort of big Avengers-type team-up between Picard and Strange New Worlds and uh, uh, Discovery. And maybe this is part of connecting that, or, or the beginnings of setting up some sort of possible crossover. You know, I wonder yeah. that that's an interesting idea, Andy. I wonder if they're going to keep it more subtle than that. You know, how they've kind of referenced Picard a couple times in Discovery, and they've they they kind of like are giving us a little bit of that without actually making the connections. But there there are a couple of races that they did not list at all that I think are are possible big suspects too. I mean, nobody mentioned the Borg, right? I mean, they sort of. I can't remember if they said anything about the board, but remember the one that I really think about is remember way back in um, season three where they said that the Gorn had at one point destroyed like X number of light years of subspace trying to do something, something after the burn. And I almost wondered if there was like a, like an after burn thing that happened, whether it was the Gorn or not, uh, but yeah, that, that yeah. might be the, the cause of, of what's going on here. Yeah. I mean, there's so many races, right? You got like, I mean, if you really go back in time, there's so many races that are powerful enough to do this. I mean, you got the Boar, you got the Gorn, you got the Kelvins, you got the, who else? Uh, the Sphere Builders. Maybe it's Trelane. Yeah, exactly. Trelane. There's a ton of, you know, <laughs> that's right. Well, he's, you know, the proto Q, right? Yeah, but a Trelane would be it's a perfect. Throwing another. It could be species they can them too. I mean, yeah. oh, are the are the Borg still are are the Borg still alive? Well, remember when they talk about the question. We don't know is the answer to that question. I mean, we know that the Borg are still around in Picard, but that's all. Right. But they don't seem to be a major threat, but there is definitely still that fear of don't get assimilated, don't let it begin. So. Right. Yeah, I I, yeah. It, I would be terrified of seeing what 32nd century Borg looked like. Well, where yeah, did it come from? There was that one Borg that was on TNG that was supposed to be from something like the 31st or 32nd century or something. Wasn't that it? Was the, that it's a Voyager episode. The, yeah, oh, Voyager. Voyager. Yeah. Uh, that was, I think, was... That was one of the one. The nanoprobes, they connected with, with uh, the Doctor's hollow emitter, which is 29th century tech, I think. Yeah, I think 29th century is the right century, and then that's how it created a a 29th century kind of Borg. Yeah, but he wasn't an evil Borg, though. He wasn't a "we will assimilate you" Borg. He was just kind of hanging out and doing his thing. Right, but he yeah. looked different. He he looked 29th century. <laughs> yeah, he did. He definitely did. But it's Pretty interesting because this this DMA could be created. I, I mean. I mean, look at look at the mashed potatoes and the pea. It reminded me of Close Encounter. <laughs> I want some mashed potatoes <laughs> and a pea. I was like, da 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 da. This means something. Like, Wait a second, wasn't that Close Encounters? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> These mashed potatoes mean something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this could, this is, and you know what? One of the things that I got to say I love about Star Trek now is that. I remember when season one with Lorca, I remember when we were doing the podcast and we just kept talking about Lorca and something's off about Lorca. How, how long <laughs> we spent talking about Lorca until we finally found out he was from the mirror universe. Remember how much fun we had with that? 
It was just, oh yeah, you know. And now we have. I love the season long mysteries. I think that's so cool. It's such a a cool aspect of New Trek. Because and and the Red Angel and the Red Angel mystery of the burn in the thirty second century. Yeah. Now, now we have this alien race that's creating this. Maybe Prime Lorca created the the DNA. That's right. He could be the pea in the middle of the mashed potatoes. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. So uh, this next clip I want to play for you guys is a is a uh, an ethical question I want to talk about, and uh, this is the prisoner at the uh, the colony saying that he chooses to die. Die here a long time ago. I wish to stay until my jailer's return. Until the anomaly hits. That's insane. Perhaps to you. I believe it's part of my penance. No. Felix, listen to me. You have years ahead of you still. You can live a different kind of life. That is not what I want. It's been a long day. He's not thinking clearly. You could force me, of course. But is it really your choice to make? This is where I committed my crime. This is where I need to remain. Whether my life is to end in years or moments, it is my life. My debt to pay. Please. Do not take that from me. His choice to make. Is there no one left behind? We have to respect his agency, don't we? Let him kill himself? It's a risk, not a certainty. And if you want to stay... Michael. We have to save him. I can't... But the longer we debate this, we're putting our lives in danger. And his. So what do you guys think? You know, did Burnham make the right choice in leaving him behind? Or was Booker right in wanting to save him? I mean, what do you think, Andy? Well, oh yeah, go ahead, Andy. Or, or Eric, anybody. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, I think that the essential line that we just heard, and I think this is kind of showing um, the wisdom of, uh, of Captain Burnham, she says we have to respect his agency. And I think that that is a theme that's actually kind of recurring in Star Trek Discovery right now. The, the deal is that it's no longer hard charging into a situation where he may have to solve somebody's problem by you know, throwing around some Federation whatnot. Burnham comes in here and she's like, no, you know what? If this dude wants to stay, it is his right to stay. And even though you get kind of a very emotional reaction from Book there, the truth is that when Book says we have to save him, what he's really saying is I have to save him because of what happened to my planet. And if I don't save him, I'm going to feel terrible about it. And we can see from this scene that the decision that Burnham makes probably a little bit of between and I'm interested to see how that plays out. But 
I think this is very consistent with where Star Trek is these days. Burnham says we have to respect his agency. We have to respect what you want to be called, what you want to do, what you want to look like, who you want to hang out with, all of that stuff, because we're all individuals and we all deserve the same rights. So in my opinion, she 100% made the right decision. What about you, Andy? Would you have left the dude behind or would you have saved him? Well, I, I am definitely a firm believer that all life is precious. Um, um, all human life, alien life, uh, Russian life, and uh, but at the same time, like you said, uh, is his choice. I mean, it's his life at the end of the day. And from Captain Burnham's perspective, I mean, what what's the alternative? Force somebody to do something against their will? That doesn't seem very Federation-y, and that doesn't seem very uh, idic. Um, and also, too, she would be putting her own life and Book's life in danger to save someone who doesn't want to be saved, which would also seem to be you know, why give up your lives for someone who, who – to force someone to do something that they don't want to do? So I, I think, you know, it's absolutely uh, his choice to make. And um, as nice as it would be for him to live out a long and full life, and, and you know, he seems to have – he's still truly feel guilt for what he's done, and maybe he could live a life where he redeems himself by spreading good through the universe. But at the same time, if, if – he's just going to be left in prison to die of old age in prison, maybe his wishes of, of paying an earlier penance and, and being freed from a life of prison is, is a better out for him as well. And what, what, what about you, Charles? You can bring up the caboose on this one. Would you have saved him or left them behind? The thing is, can you save everybody? I don't think you can save somebody that truly doesn't want to be saved. He wa- I think his redemption was let let life take it let let life deal with me the hand it wants to deal with me. But let me pass this one thing on that I shouldn't have taken and maybe somebody maybe bring somebody's Pass back to them. So I think it's more like his way of like, let me go ahead and give this to Burnham, and see if Burnham can put good use to it and pass it to who it belongs to, then withholding it from the family. So I think it was. I think his true goal was, <clears throat> let me deal. Let me deal with how life's going to treat me. But let me go ahead and make it up for it by passing this back on to somebody who might give it back to its owner. And I think that was part of his penance to make up for what he did. Yeah, it's like I, I he agree. Didn't feel like, it's almost like he didn't feel like he was ready to go back to society. Like he, he still had more atonement to do for what he did wrong. Yeah, I'm not exactly. sure he would have ever felt like he was ready, that he, he felt like he doesn't mm-hmm. deserve uh, to, to live a life that he deprived someone else of. And I, I get that point of view. I mean, totally. I don't get it, get it. I haven't murdered anybody. That's not what I'm implying. Right. I think I've said too much. <laughs> well, you did, no, you, he, did torch the room, you did torch the engine room on the Enterprise. 
<laughs> yeah, but those are yeah. red shirts. Those don't really count as life. They don't really. <laughs> well, and wasn't he? I think they said that he was already there for like thirty years too, right? And so yeah, I, I yeah. Mean, which he, you would think most life sentences. It's about when when all said and done and good behavior and parole, thirty to forty years. You you think the man's done enough time, and he feels remorse. He feels regret. He should he should get to be released now. I, I don't I didn't get the impression that that prison was all about ever releasing prisoners. No, no, no. They were yep. examples. But I think that was life sentence for them. Yep. Yeah, and from a federation perspective, I think he would have been released yeah. by now. Well I think yeah. I think the end I think at the end of the episode when uh when Burnham gives the little the the, the tree of life, which actually was a tree of life, uh to the lady. Which is really cool by I the think, way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really cool. I think that she redeemed him at the end. Yeah, she yeah. gave him yeah. that the forgiveness that he was seeking, and she gave it to him. She freed him by doing that, which which was awesome. And I also like the way Burnham tells off the the Emerald Chain dude. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll leave him there to die, and and she's like, and. You know, this is a Federation mission. You're on a Federation ship. We're doing things the Federation way. So, too bad. Go away. File well, agreement. Yeah, I love the line she, she gives him, too, about, uh, you know, let's hope, you know, you're a refugee now. Let's hope you find a society oh, yeah. that's more forgiving and compassionate towards refugees than your own society. Such like, a good dang, line. Yes. Such a good line. Yeah. That was so Picardish. <laughs> I loved it. I well, well, and the thing like, the those thing those say, well, I'm. <laughs> I like well, I, I'm an important person in this colony. It's like that planet doesn't exist anymore. You're not anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like such a great moment. It was. Yeah. It was. Burnham. Burnham faced him. She burned him hard. She um, burned. No pun intended. She burned <laughs> him. <laughs> All right, guys. So listen, <laughs> we still got a lot of truck talking to do, guys. We're gonna take another quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Tilly. You remember Tilly, right? And we're going to talk about Jet Reno and the USS Janeway. All that and so much more. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after this quick message. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 730 to 930. All hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. And one of the things that I like about Discovery and about uh, so far is that if if Star Trek was real, you would have a turnover of people. It just makes sense. You know, promotions, things are going to open up on other ships and star bases and career opportunities. And you wouldn't have the same crew in the same job in the same place for seven consecutive years. Things would change. And so we've seen a lot of change going on in Discovery. And... Um, one of the things was Tilly leaving, which which shocked all of us. I mean, I was like, wow, you know, of all the characters to leave, that shocked me. And Discovery did something in last week's episode that I thought was so cool, something that really doesn't happen on Star Trek all that often, and that was 
acknowledgement. And it's not like, you know, well, that character's gone, move on, forget about it. They, they acknowledged it. And so I have this little clip here called Missing Tilly. Okay, the controller model is just ready to test. Activating containment field now. I can just picture Tilly's face when she finds out that we got stuck into a wormhole three days after she left. I miss her too, Commander. We're ready for power. What I do best. Now, of course, the big difference here, apart from size, is that the actual DMA controller would have to use an internal power source, some sort of highly stable energy-generating system far beyond our technological capabilities. But the rest of it, I think I've nailed pretty much perfectly. Here you go. It's working. Incredible. That looks remarkably like the DMA. Nothing quite like the Russia proving a theory, right? Yeah. So I really like the fact that they acknowledged Tilly's not here and that they gave you a time reference, three days. She's been gone for three days. And uh, Jet Reno says, oh, we're going to blow ourselves up and get sucked into an anomaly three days after she left. You know, and Saru even acknowledges that they miss her too. And I thought that was, that was a great touch because I think as fans, we're missing the character too and for them to acknowledge it on the show i thought i i thought that was great i really i really liked that moment where they acknowledged that yes tilly's gone and yes we as characters in the show miss her as well i thought that was a nice little touch it something nice, that we well, you know great. you know go ahead charles go ahead charles i was gonna say i couldn't get a good look at it but i think what it's a navigation station when when they went to black, black alert, somebody had a rather long face. Oh, yeah. I don't think that shots. was one of our standard crew members. So I think we've got a little bit of a few crew members that do rotate on bridge crew that we don't see. They're finally showing it. Yes. No, no Awushikun, no Detmer, two new people up front. Uh, and it's just, you know, shift change. No biggie. And there's yeah. also a different yep. dude for Reese or for, uh, for Bryce. Yeah, uh, Christopher. Right. Yeah, so we're seeing that there are more people on the ship than just the main. Like, like Chekhov, he never left the bridge. Every time <laughs> there was something, he was always there. Until they he, kicked like, him lit. back into the boiler room. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> to, to, to torch it with the Kazinti flamethrowers. <laughs> Speaking so, of which, I thought you wanted to talk to me. I put on pants yeah. for this, and I don't hear a single word from you. I, <laughs> I know. I don't. The, the fans don't want to talk to Pavel. I guess they're ticked off because he burned up the engine room and pissed off Scotty. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Who knew that though, everybody loved that Scotsman so much? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Scotty, though, speaking of Scotty, we did get the return of another awesome engineer. I want to play a clip. Excuse me. It appears the uh, experiment has paused. Let me see what I can do. Oh, I see the problem right here. It's going to require much more power than I thought. Sorry, Galileo. I'm giving you all I can without taking from the transport system. Which is not an option. There are evacuations in progress. There's got to be somewhere else we can pull from. Come on. You love a challenge? I mean, I could harness the ionic radiation from the main phaser array converting it into a temporary power source. Is that safe? Let's see if one is nothing to worry about, and ten is 
insane. I would say it's eh, probably a six. Great science was never accomplished with caution. I'm not sure that's actually true. Sir, if we can understand this tech, then we can figure out who built it, and maybe even how to stop it. Every piece of data is a clue. Commander, I do not believe that you or Mr. Tarka are considering the risks as seriously as you should. You realize it's a choice to be this tense, right? Mr. Tarka, I have extraordinary responsibilities on... No! What was that? Ha! Do it back. Excuse me? Yell back at me! What are you afraid of? Do it! <laughs> well, that was something. That felt pretty good, right? Being out of control for a moment? I suppose it did. So, Pavel, did you ever want to scream at Captain Kirk or Scotty like that? Oh, absolutely. I would never do it to Captain Kirk because that's how I ended up in the boiler room the third time. So I learned my lesson. I scream at him behind his back, and then I blame it on a red ship and run. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Scott, he's a different story. I like to scream at him, too, but not in engineering. That's where his posse is. And boy, do they gang up on me when I start yelling. So I get him drunk first, and then I yell at him. But boy, that Christmas Scrooge. Now you know why Scrooge McDuck is Scottish, based on Scotty, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Connections, people You never knew Lots of connections (laughs) You you burn down the guy's engineering workspace And he holds a grudge for the rest of his life Which turns out lasts a really long time Yeah, it's a really (laughs) long time It's always getting blown up and burnt down And and destroyed (laughs) it They'll rebuild it I don't get why he was so upset about that (laughs) Just another day at the office yeah. Yeah, every day it's getting broken and rebuilt. <laughs> oh, boy. So oh, what did you guys think about the return of Jet Reno? Was well, that awesome? The return, the return of Jet Reno was, of course, awesome because she has just such an awesome relationship with Stamets. I thought putting her and Stamets and uh, 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 Tarka – uh, played by Sean Doyle, who, by the way, I love his character. I don't know if you guys have seen The Expanse or not. He plays an awesome character named Aaron Wright on that show, and this character is not unlike that one in a lot of ways. Really annoying, but always gets what he wants. Um, and I love that they put the three of them together. And you don't have the the Tilly factor, right? The, the like, I'm going to keep this thing reasonable factor anymore. And so that's why I thought it was so cool that they went to this place of Tarka just yelling at Saru and Saru yelling back because, God, you got Reno and Tarka and Stamets in the room all together. They're all pretty grumpy and there's a lot of tension. Sometimes you just kind of release <laughs> yeah. that tension, man. Yeah, and I, 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 cut, I cut it when I was ripping the audio. I cut it before the line I wanted, and that's when Tarka says, grumpy lady back here can get me more power. Yeah. And I, I lost that. <laughs> so I wanted that line, but I I didn't get it, and I wanted that line when he called her Grumpy Lady, and I didn't get it. <laughs> I love but, I like the coolest space name since Buzz Lightyear. Absolutely. She's yeah. the greatest. <laughs> she, she is awesome. Right? She picked, I think she picked yeah, her own she name, if it. I remember right. Yeah. 
Yep. So that's she did. Yeah, which and, and I think, her. Yeah, that was a great choice. She um as she said that she well, with the COVID and the and the border shutdown, since she's not part of the regular crew, um, she was quarantined. She couldn't go back and forth across the border, so they had to film all of her scenes later and put her into the scenes where they could. So we're going to see a lot more of Jet Reno um, as they can fit her in. Like Charles said at the beginning of the show, um, they filmed her scenes, all of her scenes later after the COVID when they reopened the borders and she went up there and filmed her scenes. So we're going to see more of her, just not a lot of her for which I'm so excited about. I don't mind that we don't get a ton of Jet Reno. I mean, I would love, don't get me wrong, I would love more Jet Reno, but I would rather have some Jet Reno than no Jet Reno. For me, she's a treat. She's like Barkley showing up or Garrett showing up, you know. It's like, you don't get them all the time, but when they show up, it's like, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good call. I agree. Yeah, she's great. Like, you know, I, I, I I think she made a Scotty line in there at one point, didn't she? Didn't she make it like a... Oh, I think uh, so, but I couldn't recall it. Yeah, it was a couple... Yeah, Something yeah. about I'm giving it all she's got or something to do with the power or something. And didn't she make a Scotty joke in there? I was trying to find it because I wanted to... That sounds right, but I, I could feel like for me to remember it. I do, she, I do feel like she does have a lot of Scotty in her, like, you know, holding it together with, with grease and, and duct tape, whereas Stamich is more computer scientist type uh, engineer. Yeah, the, the two of them Sam are kind of like oil and water. Like Jordy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. For, for, for yes. my money, Jet Reno is in the same, like, she's like Scotty or, or, or Trip. You know, they're, 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 you, right. you could see them, like, rolling up their sleeves, or, or O'Brien as well, rolling up their sleeves, getting dirty, you know, like underneath a car kind of engineer versus the, the computer experts of Wesley, Jordy, Bellana, and, and uh, Stamets. Well, well, don't forget, don't forget, Andy, that that O'Brien is the greatest engineer in all of Star Trek history. Yeah, he's, a he's giant, got a statue. Yeah. He's got a statue too. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> we can't forget that, you know. And <laughs> so, I, I was I was very glad when I when I saw Jet Reno, and I don't know if did you yeah. guys notice <laughs> when um, in the end of the episode. When um, uh, Michael Burnham was making her family tree, mm-hmm. and we saw Tilly on that tree, we saw Jet Reno on that mm-hmm. tree, we saw Emperor Giorgio <laughs> on that tree, and again, I yeah. thought it was great that they um, put these characters in there because they would be there. I remember when Dax left Deep Space Nine and Esri <laughs> came along, the birthday girl, and. One one of the things I always hate is when they do these cheesy flashback things, and just to fill some time. And and they were all leaving Deep Space Nine, and Worf is going off with Martok to rule the Klingon Empire. And he turns around one last time and looks at the promenade, and we have all these memories that he has. Every memory that they showed of Dax was with Ezri Dax, and they ignored his wedding to Jadzia completely. And I get it, contracts. They didn't want to have to pay the actress. I get all that. That's fine, yeah. but in this particular case, they actually showed what you what the what you think these characters would remember, and that was 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 Captain Giorgio, Emperor Giorgio, Tilly, all the things that we as fans yeah. remember. Well, like you were saying show, earlier, which I think is great. earlier too, that the fact that they're remembering Tilly and they're thinking about Tilly even after she's gone, and and that tree shows you know 
their family, that's Burnham's family, Giorgio, Tilly, and just because they're gone and both of those two characters are at the moment gone doesn't mean they're no longer part of the family. Right. I was just going to say, doesn't Tilly say, I think a couple of episodes ago, she said something when she's kind of musing about her, her family and everybody being gone and that her mom will never be able to see the things that she's accomplished. She's like, we're the only family any of us has left. And that is right, really man. like, when you really think about what it would be like to just literally flush every single person you ever knew, including your family, away and start fresh, that would be tough, man. That would be really tough. That would be yeah, and if you look at the tree, you see Sarek and Amanda are on that tree, and Bearded Spock is on that tree. We're back to the beards again. Um, but, yeah, if no you look cyborg. at the pictures on the tree, no Cybox, no though. Um, so I thought that was a great <laughs> scene. And I also think that the writers, on, particularly on this season of Discovery, they really got it going on. They're in a groove. And I like, I like how they're weaving little threads Trek to title because like Andy was talking about 90s Trek seems to me like in the Berman years of Star Trek they wanted every Star Trek to be separate and standalone and yes they had the fanboy fan service once in a while where where Spock would show up on an episode cool you know or the Enterprise would dock at Deep Space Nine and then fly away and that was great but other than that Star Trek, everything that happened on each Star Trek was all independent of what happened on every other Star Trek. And then Yeah, and I was actually the, in the 90s, way back in the 90s, I was, little kid me, was real disappointed that we never got to see the Enterprise-E helping out during the Dominion War. Like, where is the super advanced Enterprise-E during this super important war with the Dominion? Yes, but, but now with Lower Decks and Prodigy, and I think they're fixing a lot of that and with, with the Star Trek that they're making today because they're, they're running these little strings like Voyager. We know that Voyager is around in the 32nd century because they've mentioned it. So we, you know, we yeah, know that got a Voyager J and they've got a USS Janeway. Right. So they're, yeah. they're weaving so that any fans that get into Star Trek through, through Paramount plus who are growing up on, Prodigy, growing up on Lower Decks, watching Picard, watching Discovery, watching Strange New Worlds, Section 31, Starfleet Academy, whatever comes out, they're going to feel like they're, they're, they're part of this family because of all these little connections that are there. Yeah. And I think that's great. You, I think Star Trek was always uh, an extended universe from the original series to 90s Trek, but it never always felt like it. I mean, you, you, like you said, the occasional moment of connecting one series or the the movies to the series, but it wasn't, it never really, this feels more like an extended universe in the, the sense that we're used to with the Marvel movies and the Star Wars universe. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I, I am too, especially lower decks, the way they, they mention the salt vampires and that they, they, they have Gorn and they, everything that they do. It's just so that, yes, everything yeah, that happened on Star so Trek <laughs> happened it, on Star Trek because they talk about it. You know, like Armis, yeah. the oil monster, and stuff. So, <laughs> these, these, you know, I love, I love it. I just love what they're doing with it, and, I, and I'm so, I'm just yeah. so happy with it. Um, I've got another clip I want to play for you guys, and this one, this takes place when Burnham gets onto the uh, turbo lift and finds out 
some interesting information about Zora. Zora, have you found her yet? I've confirmed that the woman you seek is on board, currently at deck four, airlock two. Thank you. And I'd like to offer my condolences, Captain. I infer from micro-inflections in your voice that you are experiencing sorrow. It's a tough day. It can be painful to weigh duty against compassion. I wasn't where you had the operational parameters to make an observation like that. The understanding and experience of emotion naturally leads to feelings of empathy for others. You feel emotions? It is a recent development. We've arrived. It was nice speaking with you, Captain. With you too, Zora. Zora is alive. Now, we know this is no surprise from Calypso, but it's great to see the character evolving. And now Discovery is a sentient being in and of itself. And I thought that was awesome. You know, that we're seeing... Now, I don't know how this is going to fit into Calypso, but I just think it's great that Zora is coming of age now. What also brings yeah, up I saw some a great article. I mean, yeah. I was just going to say, go ahead, that, go ahead, when Andy. they put the ship in danger now, are they putting a sentient being in danger? Do they have to get the ship's permission before they go into battle? It's an interesting uh, moral dilemma. And I heard some yeah. people saying that, you know, there's some interesting questions about whether or not they need to worry that the ship will comply with their uh, orders, too. But um, But I think you know, if Zora is evolving, she's evolving, well, if she is, Zora is obviously evolving, and she's evolving probably because of a couple different things. It's not just the sphere data, uh, but it's also her interactions with the crew, and it's the data that she's asked for, and it's all of the stuff that the crew types into the computer that they want out of it and that sort of thing. So she's evolving with this sense of being a member of the crew, having a kind of shared responsibility with all of the other crew members. So Andy, I think, I think your question is particularly poignant and it feeds into what Jim was talking about with Calypso because in Calypso, we find Zora by herself. It's a different discovery too. So we, you know, have to be worked out there. It's the original design, but when they find, when craft finds her, she is sentient. And so at some point the discovery crew had to make that decision. They abandoned her. They abandoned a sentient being. And so that is very interesting to me. And I really hope that they actually dig into that a little bit because that that is a deep, deep kind of Star Trek. Yeah, I would be surprised if it right comes there. up eventually. Yeah. Even if it's like, you know, you think about the old days of war, World War One, uh, Civil War, riding into battle on horses. And that horse, you know, a cannonball goes off in front of the horse. It might pull back and be like, nope. Yeah, I'm out of this battle. I'd like to see Discovery do the same thing, just like screech the home. They're like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and her, it's just, I just love that the way they chose to cut into her evolving even more was by giving Burnham some, almost like counseling, right? She was almost like, hey, maybe you yep. should just kind of like, you know, chill out a little bit. <laughs> So I really like that because it, it, it makes her not just a computer who's carrying out orders. It makes her a living, yeah. not necessarily breathing. Which but, people uh, have always talked about the ship as a character, and now yeah. it's kind of cool to see an actual yeah. exploration of a ship as a character. With a yeah, and played by Annabelle Walls. 
it's it's awesome. Charles, what do you think about the whole Zora thing? Did you like the way they introduced her to Burnham in the in the uh, Turbo Lift? Well, I think Jim forgot. I actually requested this clip back last Thursday. I said, okay, I want this clip because we're getting a more human, a more IA computer. We're getting a more intellect computer, and I think it could be a little smarter when the computer can understand the problem, not just, okay, here are the parameters I'm dealing with it. The computer can come up with a little more reasonable decision with more choices. So I think this is saying we're getting a more artificial intelligence, true artificial intelligence in here. And I'm curious what direction it's going on. As Eric says, well, what if the ship backs off? Well, what if the ship, the crew left the ship and Zora went on to risk herself to save the crew? You never know what direction it could have been why she left the crew. Maybe she left the crew somewhere to save themselves so she could save them. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with Zora. But I like, I like this character now. Which also Absolutely. kind of still gets to the point. I realized in this episode it wasn't as drastic. But we are still got an ABC story in here. We're still weaving three different storylines because we've got the rescue. We've got the science crew trying to build this item. And then we've got the Dr. and Kovic dilemma. Right. I would have loved to have gotten in a conversation on that one. And before we run out of time, uh, there's just one more quick clip I want to play. I did have, I did have that clip uh, with Kovic and uh, and the doctor, but we just skipped over it because I wanted. Anyways, just one more quick little thing for you guys, and that's this. This is USS Janeway on approach with DMA. We're picking up massive ionic fluctuations. Any other vessels in the area? Confirm. NSS Tapau here, confirming the same. I'm also getting a strange spike in X-ray radiation. What is it? Tapau, are you seeing this? I am. What the hell just happened? Yeah, so there you have it. The USS Janeway on Discovery. Awesome. And the, yeah, and the, the NSS Tapau. Now, the interesting thing I wanted to mention is that the Tapau was an Enterprise time-era Vulcan ship. I found that to be like, really? Wow, that ship is like older than Discovery, actually. And then the Vulcans, well, they're not, the the Navarians are still flying those ships. That was an interesting little... If it ain't broke, don't need to fix it or replace it. Yeah. And okay. Uh, wow. Jim, before we finish, 
I want to throw one last question on to see you get people's minds going. The I can't think of the doctor, the one not the doctor, the one that brought the ideas to how to create the living simulation. What's on the back of his neck? What's on the back of his neck? Yeah, I got a good I got a good one for that, Charles. So I don't know. I don't know if this has been I don't know that this has been confirmed, but what it what if you remember back I'm pretty sure that Emerald Chain slaves had a mark on the back of their neck like that from the collars that they were forced to wear. And so I think Tarka was actually appealing to Book's sense of empathy there, where because he, he obviously sort of showed it to Book and kind of rubbed his neck knowing that Book would see it. So I think that Tarka was an Emerald Chain prisoner. That's my guess. Yeah, because uh, didn't... Um... The Andorian guy have to go around and inject that thing into the spine of, of all the neck. prisoners. Yeah. yeah. And it looked to me like that scar was the remains of having that that collar removed. That's what I thought, anyways. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But, I wasn't yeah. that it was a tattoo of some kind. It kind of looked like a tattoo and kind of looked like a scar. I mean, I definitely paused there for a long time trying to decipher it because I almost was going back to Calypso and wondering if there was some sort of weird tattoo connection with his tattoo there. But I, I think it might have been a scar. I don't know. I'd love to know if you guys thought the same. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, we'll just have to hope they bring it up. Well, listen, guys, <laughs> we're, we're running out of time. Um, I want to go around the room, and we'll start off with Andy. So, Andy, on a scale of 1 to 10, our Facebook fans gave it an 8.4. What would you give the examples? I am incapable of giving a Star Trek episode anything less than 10, so I will give it a <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And how, how about Pavel? What, what about Pavel? What, what does Pavel think? I will give it a Russian 12, which is 10. <laughs> All right. Russians invented cool. the number 12. They did. They invented it. <laughs> Little old lady from Leningrad. Absolutely. Little old lady from Leningrad. Yeah. How did you know that? <laughs> and how about you? What do you What do you think, Charles? One to ten. Uh, I'm not going to go as high as my nine. So I'm thinking about an eight. Eight point six. Eight point seven. Eight point seven. I'm still putting That's high up there. Yeah, I'm still putting ten. high up there because it's just still good episodes. Yeah, they're they're just kind of they're flowing together very very nicely, I think. Yeah. And uh, how about you, Eric? A great episode, but it didn't make me cry three times, so only an eight point four. <laughs> eight point four. <laughs> and you know, and you know, I, I'm I'm right there with the. I'm going to go with Charles. I'm, I'm going to go about an eight point six. This was a really good one, and. <laughs> And, and Zora's yelling in my ear here, too. So, yeah, I'm going to go with 8.6. And I, I just want to take an opportunity to say thank you so much to the one and only Andy Bray for that awesome checkoff skit and for taking time out of his busy schedule to hang out and Trek Talk with us tonight. Thank you so much, Andy. My pleasure. Thank you guys for playing it, and thank you guys for having me. And Merry Christmas. Right, Pavel? Absolutely. Merry Christmas. <laughs> awesome 
And also, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. So much. Thank you, Eric. Oh, my gosh. You bet. It was so much fun. And thanks, Andy. That was great. That was great. And, of course, thank you to Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you very much. And, Andy, you probably figured out I'm in the one chatting on your YouTube video, on your Facebook page. <laughs> been having lots I love of fun it. Yeah, with that I video. I really love you chiming in. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's what the Truck Talking family does. We support each other all the time. And, of course, I'm your most excellent yeah. host, Uncle Jim. And I want to say to everybody, please have a safe and happy holiday. And please be good to each other. Have a happy new year and a very Merry Christmas. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Nail. Live long and prosper. All right, then. Everybody ready? Yes, sir. Let's fly. University ever. Welcome to Iowa, where you can write your own story. Choose from over 200 areas of study, including a dozen programs ranked in the top 10. Roll up your sleeves and try something new. You never know where it might take you. This story is written, directed, and produced by you. Learn more at uiowa.edu. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.